You know, I keep my sermon notes on my iPad, and when I put the password in, on I don't think about it. And I'm teaching the third and fourth graders in Sunday school, and they've asked me for the last two weeks, Brother Derek, what's your password? And I go to tell them, and I have to think about it. And I always tell them the wrong password because I don't actually remember what it is. I just remember mechanically this is what I do. And uh, so there's quite a bit of panic when I've locked myself out of my iPad trying to re-remember the password that I never knew. Anyways, I do want to skip this morning a normal introduction and, and instead actually put a plug in for the Bible study that's taking place on Wednesday evenings at 6 p.m., And of course, the Bible study that's taking place on Sunday evening as well. But I particularly want to invite you to the Wednesday night discussion Bible study because we started doing something new a couple of weeks ago. We started studying what I think is the most exciting thing that we can be studying, which is the basis of how we understand anything in faith. And if you've heard me talk about small group discussion Bible studies or or the value of discussion-based Bible studies before, you know that I place a great deal of emphasis on the benefit that they can have on us. And the reason for that is predominantly because I've seen the benefit of discussion-based and discussion-led Bible studies in my own life. My greatest um, spiritual progress, if we can call it that, My greatest spiritual progress has come from discussion-based Bible studies. And I've also seen the value in the same thing in people that I've had the opportunity to be in Bible studies with, where we're studying the Bible with dialogue. And so, anyways, Wednesday nights we are studying the basis of how we can understand the Bible. Because there's a big problem whenever we're studying the Bible. If you've heard me talk at all about how we can understand a text, I've said over and over again, and maybe I haven't said it enough, that we have to pay attention to the context. We, we can't pull a verse out of context and make it mean whatever we want. To really observe what the Bible is saying, we have to be aware of what it's saying originally, what it meant within its original context. And the real problem with context is that it just keeps getting bigger. The context of a verse are the verses around it that make up a sentence. Are the paragraph around that or is the paragraph around that? Is the paragraphs, are the paragraphs, dang, subject verb agreement's killing me this morning. Are the paragraphs around that? Is the chapter, is the entire book, is the entire Bible? And so to really put anything in context, we have to pay attention to the whole and I if we really understand the problem that that presents, to really study the Bible, we have to know the whole Bible, frontwards and backwards. So where do we start? And and that's really what we're building up to on Wednesday nights. And so if you've ever struggled with that question, where do I start in studying the Bible? I really want to encourage you to come and be a part of that study. I I bring it up... uh, this morning because we're talking about how important it is that we study the Bible. We're continuing on in in Deuteronomy chapter 6. We've been here for a while. 
And I struggled this week as I thought, man, have we been in Deuteronomy chapter 6 too long? Is it time to switch gears and study maybe something else? And then I thought about it, and I remembered that this isn't the first time that Moses has had to tell the nation of Israel to remember God's statutes and to love Him. It's not the first time God has had to rebuke His people and encourage them to remember the statutes and the promises that He's given them. And in fact, it's not the first time that we need to hear it. And so we're going to stay here just a little bit longer. Just a little bit longer. So we're continuing on in the the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Today, reading from uh, verse 17. And we're going to be talking about the value of knowing God's Word. What does it mean to not only be an observer of the Christian faith, but to be a practitioner of the Christian faith. As the psalmist of Psalm 119 writes, I'd like us to pray verses 17 and 19. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. Please pray. Our Lord in heaven, we thank you so much for the privilege that we have this morning to come into your house, to spend time with your people, God, to worship you with the study of your word, with the singing of hymns. God, I pray that you would remove any burden that is on our heart that distracts us from you this morning. God, I pray that you would draw us close to your grace and your compassion and your mercy, that you would help us to see clearly the truths that you have in your word. God, I pray that you would not withhold from us an understanding that we might be able to go from this place more ready, more prepared, more equipped to worship you. God, we love you so much. Thank you for loving us first. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you would read along with me in our text this morning, Deuteronomy 6, verse 17, the Bible says, You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and His testimonies and His statutes which He has commanded you. That was so short we should read it again. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God, His statutes, his testimonies, all that He has commanded you. It would seem that from this verse, what's being commanded or being required of God's people is pretty simple. It's pretty cut and dry. And it might very well be just cut and dry that we need to observe the things that God has told us to observe. It's a reminder to us that sometimes the Bible is not elusive or deceptive or trying to confuse us or, or even confound us. Because that wasn't the purpose of God's Word to begin with. It is supposed to be cut and dry because it's His way of revealing to us His will. If we really study the Bible and we understand what it, what it is, the purpose that God would design such a special revelation that He can present to His people His inspired Word, 
I think we could remove a lot of the fibble-fabble mystery that goes along with it. It's not intended to be confusing. It's not intended to, to be difficult to understand. It's clear. Oftentimes the most plain things in the Bible are the main things that God is trying to direct us towards. The verse is clear. Our passage for study this morning is that we should keep the commandments of God, His testimonies, His statutes. I don't know how to explain that more clearly, but I want to try. I want to point out a couple of cool things that are taking place in Hebrew that doesn't show up in our English translation. But I hope that doesn't discourage anyone here this morning from realizing that this isn't a complicated exercise. How simple it is that we keep His commandments. If we want to drop this into context, we'd look back at verse 4 and we'd remember that the encouragement given to all of Israel at this point is that we would love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our might, with all our soul. And as a consequence, as a result of loving God, we naturally have the inclination to observe the commandments, the testimonies, the statutes that He has given to us. This is simple stuff. If you love God... You love the commandments that He's given to you. You don't neglect them. One thing you might find interesting about this verse is that it starts out in the English translation, you shall diligently keep. You shall diligently keep. But in Hebrew, there's there's no word for diligently. There's not that modifying adverb to exist before that. There's no, you should extra do this. It's, it's actually the same word twice because in the Hebrew language, to emphasize something, you would just repeat the word. We, we do that whenever, like in public speaking or whenever we're writing something. If we want to emphasize something that's important, we repeat ourselves. There's repetition. If we want to emphasize something that's important, we repeat ourselves. There's repetition. Well, in Hebrew, you can do that with the word. You just say the word twice. We kind of do that with the word very, right? We say, I am very, very excited. And if I'm more excited than very, very excited, then I can be very, very, very excited. And so we can emphasize words by repeating them. In Hebrew, they did this with everyday words, like the, the Hebrew greeting, peace be with you, or peace be among us, shalom. Well, if you want to say that peace is abounding with us, you would just say, shalom, shalom. If you're watching The Chosen, they say it a lot. Shalom, shalom. The same word twice because they're emphasizing it. They're they're drawing attention to the abundance that is there. Well, our word this morning is shamar, shamar. It's the word for keep. So while the English translators say, you shall diligently keep the commandments. What's actually being said is we're drawing emphasis to this word keep. Keeping and keeping. Oh, and this is where it gets, we really start to get a picture of how important keeping God's commandments, His statutes, His testimonies, everything that He's commanded us to do, we really get a picture of what it means when we see how important keeping what He has given to us is because 
we can break that word apart, and there's really three different components of it. If I'm keeping something, the first part's what's common sense. The, the plain and main thing is that we uphold it. That we uphold it. But second, that we would watch over it. Like my brother's keeper. We would watch over it. And, and thirdly, that we would guard it. That we would guard it and that we would protect it. The first one's obvious, that we would uphold. The obvious, obvious definition of keeping the commandments of God is to maintain it, to do it, and to observe it by putting it into action. If you want to look at an example where the same word shamar is used, Ezekiel 18 verse 19 says, Why should not the son suffer for the iniquity of the father when the son has done what is just and right and has been careful to observe... All my statutes, he shall surely live. The first understanding that we can glean of Shamar Shamar or keeping God's commandments is that we would observe what they say. This is revolutionary, folks. The Bible doesn't just exist for us to study, it exists for us to put into action. To absolutely to observe, to put into practice. Being spiritual is more than an academic exercise. It isn't enough to just know about God or to know the things of God. We have to live for God. Being spiritual means that we're actively involved in practicing our faith. It is a discipline where the Bible tells us that we should value discipleship and making disciples and being a part of being discipled. If we put that into action, that means that we should be pursuing discipleship, finding someone that we can learn from, that we can seek to grow spiritually with. We should be seeking someone who needs discipleship so that we can pour into them the things that we've learned so that we can walk alongside them. Where the Bible tells us to pray constantly, we should start setting reminders on our phone so that we would actually be praying constantly. And let me get on a soapbox for a second. Praying when you're driving doesn't count. I'm tired of hearing people say that my greatest prayer time is whenever I'm doing this or I'm doing that. The distractions are gone. Let me ask you a question. If you were having your annual evaluation with your boss, would you be posting Facebook status updates while that conversation was happening? Why not? Why is it okay to multitask when you're talking to the almighty creator of the universe? What's going on? Where the Bible tells us to pray constantly, put that into action, set reminders on your phone, and then stop what you're doing. Really pray to Him. Really pray to Him. Don't just catch Him up on what's going on. He already knows. Where the Bible tells us to value God's word, open it up and dig into it. When are we going to grow past the child's way of observing the Bible by memorizing daily Bible verses and actually get in and understand what God is trying to say to us? If we really loved God, wouldn't we do that? 
first definition of the word keep, shamar, is to observe. To take what we understand and put it into practice. Let's look at these other two definitions. The second one that I mentioned was to watch over. Frequently in the Old Testament, the word shamar is translated to the word watchman. Reverse to the job that somebody has, that it is a watchman. Find this in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, when God tells Adam in the garden that he should keep the garden that God has created him, created for him. God tells Adam that he should shamar the garden that he's created, that Adam is the watchman for it. He's supposed to look over it and protect it and take care of it and enjoy it. Likewise, with the commandments that God has given us, we are supposed to be the watchmen of God's word, regarding it and looking after it, spending time in it. Jeremiah 31.10 says, Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare in the coastlands far away, say, He who scattered Israel will gather him and will keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. I might be doing a bad job of drawing emphasis to the word that I'm trying to focus on, but Jeremiah, the prophet, tells us that God is like a watchman for his people. God is like a watchman for his people. He who scattered Israel will gather him and will keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. I plugged the study that we've been doing on Wednesday night because what we just got done talking about is how God has revealed himself to us. How God has revealed himself to us how He's taken care and practice to not just leave us out to figure it out on our own, not just to leave us out with the... Well, let me back up. Not to leave us with an understanding of the Creator that's insufficient to save us spiritually, but instead He loved us enough to give us an inspired love letter so that we would know Him, so that our spiritual needs could be met so that we could understand the things of salvation so that we could be saved and we could have a relationship with Him. So that we could be part of His will. So that we could understand what He wants. There's three words in our text used to describe the commandments. And Psalm 119 does this too, where it's divided. We have commandments and testimonies and statutes and they all really mean the same thing, but there's a little bit of nuance that we can look at at least. The statutes are the common sense ordinances, most likely referring to the hygienic things that Israel needed to do. The common sense revelation of God, because He's given it to us so He can protect us. His testimonies, or His witness on behalf of himself, that this is what he wants for us. You know, I'm saying all of this, and I don't know if I'm connecting the dots well enough. If that's what we understand the Bible to be, 
If we understand God watching over us, keeping us, and protecting us as His chosen people, and this is the means by which He's, he's planned and ordained to do it, by the special revelation, the, these people who have been carried along by the Spirit to write all of these books, to be canonized so that we can study it today, wouldn't, wouldn't you want to run to that? Wouldn't you really want to love God's Word to the point that you wouldn't let it escape you? I mean, if we really understood what the Bible was, how much time would we spend with it? I mean, it's kind of amazing. The almighty creator of the universe gave us a special revelation just as miraculous as splitting the Red Sea and we hold it in our hands. And how often does it get left in the backseat of our car after we leave church on Sunday so that we don't have to try and find it the following Sunday? You know what I'm saying? Are you following me? I'm worried I'm not being clear. How often do we forget our Bible in the backseat of our car instead of spending time with it? A miracle as spectacular as God making water pour out of a rock lying on a floorboard. The Bible is God's inspired word, written by multiple human authors, all inspired and carried along by God. The Bible testifies on its own behalf that it bears everything that we need. If we really understand how magnificent this revelation is from God, if we really see what it provides for us, then we should have no problem understanding how incredible it is that our loving Father has given us what we need. Our action of watching over God's word is more clearly seen in this third definition I want to present this morning. To guard. To protect from abuse. God uses the word shamar in Genesis 3.24 to describe the cherubim that he places. Let me back up. Genesis 3, the fall of man, Adam and Eve have sinned, sin has entered the world, they're cast out of the Garden of Eden to work the field, consequence of sin, and God places a cherubim and a flaming sword that turns every way to Shamar, to guard the way to the tree of life, to guard. The same words used in Proverbs 16, 17, the highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life. When we fail to observe the significance that God's word has, we don't know any better when we're being deceived by false teachers or when we're being told the truth. When we fail to observe the significance 
of God's special revelation were blind to how it is abused. We're unable to protect it and to guard it. Money's the root of all evil, right? That's in the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. Isn't that in the Bible? Both of those are not in the Bible. The Bible does say that the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, but the love of money isn't even the root of all evil. And money itself is not evil. God helps those who help themselves. It doesn't take very long to study the New Testament doctrines of the church to realize that that's exactly what God does. He helps those who have no ability, no opportunity, no even concept that they need to be saved. He doesn't just help those who can't help themselves. He goes above and beyond to provide a means for those who cannot help themselves. But these examples that I've given you just in this short time, these are th- people believe this is in the Bible. What kind of other things are we falling for? Because we don't spend time listening to God. People can twist and they can distort the truth of God to make it mean whatever fits their agenda. But that's not how we can understand the Bible. There's only one way to understand the Bible. The reason I draw importance to context is because the Bible means very plainly one thing. It was given by God to man for a special purpose, and it cannot mean what it never meant. And the only way we're going to figure that out is if we spend time with Him. I mentioned the importance of prayer What's the, what's, why is it so common for us to place so much emphasis on prayer and not on studying the Bible? I've said this before. You realize that prayer without studying the Bible is a one-way conversation You talking to God? God's given us His inspired Word. He's given us everything that He wants to say. He's decisively decided that these are the things that we need to hear from Him. This is how God talks back. I'm not saying prayer is not important. But don't you think it's important that we listen to Him? If we really turn to Him in prayer, don't you think it's important that we we stop and we hear how He responds? So that we can protect ourselves. So that we can protect God's Word from abuse. So many people want to twist God's Word to mean whatever they want. Companies use it so that they can come up with a crafty marketing ploy so that they look like a Christian company even though they pull verses out of context, out of places that... There's nothing in it. 
Oh, and they trivialize. They make light of what the Bible actually is. They treat it with no reverence when they do this. They come to God's word haughtily and say, I can make it mean whatever I want it to mean. But as a church, how are we supposed to protect God's word? How are we supposed to keep watch over God's word by protecting it if we don't know it? Let's go back to the text this morning. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God. This is cut and dry. Observe what God has given us. Watch over it and guard it. You know, I'm human. Just like everyone in this room, I've had moments when I did not want to sit down and read the Bible. When the discipline of study made me fatigued. When it made me tired. When it was something that I didn't want to do. By the way, this is what makes it discipline. That we do it anyway. That's what I mean by practicing faith. That we do it anyway. Can I give you some practical advice this morning? In confessing my own weakness and confessing my own fleshly fatigue, my own ability to become tired of turning to God's Word, when I feel that way, I always go to the same spot in the Bible. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. And here's why I do it. I want to, I want to tell you why I do it. Because the speaker, the psalmist who's writing this psalm, I love his attitude. I mean, it just gets me jazzed every time I read it. Because here's a man, an imperfect man just like me, and he's talking to God and I, like, with more boldness than I, I might even talk to God. He's saying, God, don't withhold yourself from me. Like, can you imagine telling your parent what to do? Don't lock that door on me. Don't you take away my car keys. I mean, and he's talking to God and he's, he's like negotiating with him almost. He says, God, I love you. I love your commandments. I love your statutes. God, I love you. God, don't withhold yourself from me. And every time I read it, I'm reminded that it is not a chore to look at God's word. It is a blessing. It is a blessing. In fact, let's read the first eight verses. Because it's not just a blessing, but blessings come from it. Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes 
fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. When we turn to God's word, there's blessing that comes from it. And it's hard to figure out where to get started, but the thing that we, I, I want, the, the, the practical advice I'm trying to give you is that once you get started, you'll get hooked. Because when we see the blessing that comes from being and spending time in God's Word, we want more of it. And we keep going back for more of it until it doesn't feel like a chore. And yeah, I'm human. Sometimes it starts to feel like a chore again. And that's why I come back to this. To remind myself again what it means to pursue God's commandments. And that's the second part of Psalm 119. Let's read verses 9 through 15. How can a young man keep his way pure? By, check that out, guarding. Keep reading. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. What a blessing. What an instruction that we can love God, that we can love his word, that we can really spend time observing it, that we can go to him and that we can ask Him to reveal to us these secrets, that, that He will give us the understanding that we need. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the entire Bible. And in it, it goes through so many different things. It, we, we see the joy of being able to praise God. We, we, see, we see prayers asking for vindication against enemies. But it ends, and this is really special, it ends all the way down at verse 176. It ends and it says, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. I think all of us have experienced spiritual fatigue. I think all of us have had up and down experiences. We've all probably experienced spiritual highs. Do we know how to handle spiritual lows? Do we turn to God's word? 
Do we keep a daily Bible study? I'm fortunate this morning that the application of our text is pretty simple. I don't know how to make it more clear that you should keep the commandments of the Lord our God. Do you do that? God's given us a tremendous grace by giving us His Word. What a shame it would be to neglect that grace. If there were someone here this morning who was a sinner, lost, someone that didn't know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, and I explained to them the gospel, and they walked away neglecting the grace of God, We see it all the time, but it's unfathomable, isn't it? How could a person walk away from such tremendous grace? How many Christians walk away from such tremendous grace by neglecting Bible study? As we have a song of invitation... Pray that we would all reflect on this. And if this encouragement this morning wasn't for you, I pray that God would give you the words to encourage somebody else. Would you pray with me before we respond? Our Father in heaven, I thank you so much for your word. God, I pray that you would teach me not to neglect it. God, I pray that you would give me the perspective that you have, that it is a special divine revelation given to man with the purpose of revealing to us your will. God, I pray that you would teach me to cherish your word, to store it in my heart. God, I pray that you would give me the ability to remember words in order. And God, I pray that you would help me to recognize abuse of your word. God, I pray that you would Conform me day by day into the image of your Son. And as we respond, God, I pray that your Spirit would continue to speak into the hearts of all those who are here this morning, that you would continue your sermon as we go our ways. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing? Number 370.